Matthew 12, verses 1 through 14. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priest. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out. And it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it find their rest in this Lord of the Sabbath. Why do we have laws? Why is stealing considered a crime? Why are acts of violence prohibited? Why, what is the purpose in having a speed limit? Why do we as a society place all of these restrictions upon ourselves? It's because we believe that they create an environment where humans can flourish. That they extend not only our lives, but also our joy and our happiness. And while we may not like them at the time, we, we know that in the long run they are for our own good. Well, after a two-week hiatus, we have come back to the Gospel of Matthew. And, and the point where we are jumping in is, is right in the middle where Jesus is beginning to see both doubt and opposition to his messianic claims. If you recall uh, from chapter 11, it was John the Baptist who, who had asked Jesus if he was the one to come, or, or, should, or should we expect someone else? And we saw, we saw also that, that, that there were many who, who not only witnessed Jesus' miracles, uh, but even though they witnessed them, they refused to repent. They were like fickle children wanting God to follow their own set of rules. And then, at, then near the end of chapter 11, Jesus taught us that it is for God's good pleasure that he hides himself from those who, who think they are wise, and yet he reveals himself to little children, those who are humble in heart. And then we, and then we read this to, to finish that chapter off. Look at, look at Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me. 
all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus was, was urging his listeners to come to him so that he might ease their burdens and they could find rest for their souls. And now we have come to our passage for today where it is no coincidence that coming off the heels of that teaching, we discover two stories dealing with Sabbath rest. If Jesus is this one who offers this easy yoke, this, this light burden, then we must ask the question, how does he do so? And it is in these two short narratives that we see Jesus, this, this Lord of the Sabbath, giving rest to the weary. And he accomplished this. He accomplishes these things in two ways. First, by placing the law in its proper authoritative standing. And second, once we see its proper standing, then we will be able to understand more fully the purpose of the law. Let's jump into our first story, where, where we will discover Christ putting the law into its proper authoritative standing. Look at verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Before we can know the solution, we must first understand the problem. Our story begins with these disciples of Jesus picking heads of grain on the Sabbath and eating them. And the, and the only reason they were doing this was because they were hungry. Now, normally this wouldn't be a big deal for, for such a thing was allowed in the law of Moses. Look at, look at Deuteronomy 23, verses 24 and 25. If you enter, another's, if you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat all the grapes you want, but do not put any in your basket. If you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands, but you must not put a sickle to his standing grain. When I was a kid, I worked at a blueberry farm, and we had plenty of customers that, that would come there just to, just to pick their own blueberries. Uh, they, they would you pick. Um, now, one thing that we never did was, was we never weighed these people before and after. If they were out there in the fields and they wanted to pop some blueberries in their mouth as they were picking, we were fine with that. And this is the idea that this passage is getting at, that, that if you are walking along, you don't need to feel guilty if you grab a little snack. God has permitted this. You are not reaping your neighbor's harvest. But what about on the Sabbath? Would this be considered work? During the time of Jesus, there was considerable, considerable debate between the religious scholars over what was construed as work on the Sabbath. For instance, they, they, they asked the question, how, how far could a man walk on the Sabbath before he was breaking the command? Or how about this one? Is it lawful for a person to tie a knot on the Sabbath? Could he untie it? 
I mean, these examples, they may seem silly and trivial to us, but these were the issues that, that mattered to the people of that day. Of course, farming was, was obviously work. But what does farming really entail? I mean, if you, if you don't use a sickle, does that count? If you, don't, if you don't gather into a basket, are you really working? According to these Pharisees, picking any grain would have been considered a form of reaping. So, so for them, what the disciples were doing was against the law. And this is why they called Jesus out. Now, did these Pharisees really care what, what his disciples were doing? Probably not. But, but, but the action of a disciple reflected upon the rabbi. And so this incident demonstrates the opportunistic nature of these Pharisees. It gave them an occasion to discredit Jesus. Of course, Jesus knows that according to the, the passage that we just read in Deuteronomy 23, that what his disciples were doing should not be cons considered as work or against the law. They were not breaking the Sabbath. And yet, Jesus doesn't argue that point. Instead, he, he takes a different tactic altogether. He uses this moment to place the law in its proper authoritative standing. What do I mean by this? What I mean is that the law of God can be categorized on different levels. Not all laws hold the same weight or the same authority. And there are certain authorities that are even greater than the law itself. Let's look at Jesus' response and see how this bears out. Look at verses 3 and 4. He answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Now this incident with, with David is referring to a passage from 1 Samuel 21, where David and his men were on the run from King Saul. You see, Saul was jealous of David and wanted to kill him. But as they were running, these men, they hid themselves in the tabernacle of God. There, they lied to the priests as to why they had come, and then they asked this man to feed them. Because he had nothing else, this, this priest gave to them the consecra consecrated bread. Bread which was only meant for these Levite priests to eat. And yet David, he seemed to have no qualms about eating this. Why would this be if it was not lawful? The answer is because there was a greater injustice being done on the part of King Saul. David and his men, they were desperate. They were in need. And it was out of kindness that this priest offered to them that which was not lawful. And so we see both a greater crime and a greater law the law of loving your neighbor, which superseded this law concerning the showbread. The law was put into its proper authoritative standing. And to reinforce this point, we see Jesus using this same logic in, logic in his next example. Look at verse 5. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, 
the priest in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent. What Jesus was talking about here was the fact that, that the Levitical priest needed to work on the Sabbath day. For example, look at Numbers 28, verses 9 and 10. On the Sabbath day, make an offering of two lambs, a year old, without defect, together with its drink offering and a grain offering of two-tenths of an ephah, of fine flour mixed with oil. This is the burnt offering for every Sabbath, in addition to the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. These priests were given an exception to perform their duties on the Sabbath. Why? Because the need for the temple and the sacrifices performed, performed within was greater than the need for the Levites to hold to the Sabbath. The temple was greater than the Sabbath. It was, it was more pressing for the people to have forgiveness through these sacrifices than for the priests to rest on that day. And this, this should have been common sense to these Pharisees. For, for many of them also worked on the Sabbath as they would teach in the synagogues. And they justified their teaching by looking back to the priesthood. They used the same logic that Jesus just employed. They put the law in its proper authoritative standing. But the question still remained. Were what the disciples were doing by, by picking these heads of grain justified by putting the law in its proper authoritative standing? Let, let's look at verses 6 through 8 and find out. I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, then you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. One greater than the temple is here. In other words, Jesus was, he was letting these Pharisees know exactly who he is. You see, the error of the Pharisees was more than just getting the Sabbath wrong. For they failed to recognize who Jesus was, that he is Lord of the Sabbath, this one who has an authority that supersedes even that of the temple. And if Jesus is greater than the temple, then the, then the work of his disciples is greater than the work of the priests. Therefore, they are blameless. And to further his point, Jesus adds in this little quip, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. This quote is from Hosea 6.6. 6. And if you remember, uh, Jesus had cited it before in Matthew 9, verse 13. There, Jesus was being questioned, probably by these same Pharisees, because he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. Let, let's see how Jesus responded. Look at verses 12 and 13. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have, come, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Do you see it? He was giving to them an assignment, one in which they failed to do. 
They were to go and study Hosea 6.6, where they should have learned about putting the law in its proper authoritative standing. You see, the lesson from Hosea 6.6 demonstrates the hypocrisy of, of those who think they can please God through their outward expression while neglecting the greater need for inward change. For the Jews during the time of Hosea were under the judgment of God. And so they, they, they thought to themselves that if, if they went back to the sacrifices, if they, if they would, went back to the temple, then God would relent from his judgment from his judgment. And yet, and yet they did this without changing their wicked ways. They had no repentance. God told them plainly, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. In other words, the law of how one treats their neighbor is of greater authority than the laws concerning their ritualistic sacrifices. In a similar vein, these these Pharisees had, had elevated their minute Sabbath rules over and above the greater work of the kingdom. They failed to recognize this Lord of the Sabbath, even though they were witnesses to all that he was accomplishing. And so we see that the law, when put it in its proper authoritative standing, always points to something greater. And that something greater is Christ. Dear friends, do you understand who Jesus is? That he is greater than the law. That he is greater than the temple. That he is this Lord of the Sabbath. He is not like some, some earthly ruler who, who has to acquiesce to a set of rules. No, for he is the one who established them to begin with. The law submits to him. And yet at the same time, he is not capricious either. For, for the law that he established bears the virtues of his own character. Listen, if, if you want to understand the law of God, then you must first understand the author, this Lord of the Sabbath. For it is only through him that you can find your true Sabbath rest. But Matthew, he isn't done with us yet. There is more for us to learn about this rest that Jesus has to offer. Look at, it, look at our second story, beginning in verses 9 and 10. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Again, this was a Sabbath issue. But, but notice that, that these men were looking to accuse Jesus. They wanted to see if he was going to heal this man or not. Here's the issue. At that time, there was, there was much debate over how much help a man could offer another in need during the Sabbath. And, and the common thought was that, that if a person's life was in danger, then they could help. For instance, if someone got sick, could they be cared for? Well, that would all depend on the severity of that illness. If it was life-threatening, then yes. But if it was a common cold, then no. How about this man? The man with the shriveled hand. Was his life in danger? No. Jesus could have easily waited a day to cure this man. 
this was a test. Would he heal this man on the Sabbath? Let's see how Jesus responds. Look at verse 11. He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Once again, Jesus uses this argument of putting the law in its proper authoritative standing. But he does more than this, for he also demonstrates the purpose of the law by appealing to its greater command. And in this example of a sheep falling into a pit, it, it proves his point. Now, it would be possible to just leave this animal until the following morning. The sheep would most likely be okay. But nobody does this. Why? Because that would be cruel. The, the, the proper thing to do is to lift it out. Because the law of love supersedes the law of the Sabbath. And if this is done for a sheep, how much more than, one, than for one who was created in the image of God? But therein lies the rub. How, how does one determine which laws should hold priority over the others? Is there some governing command which shows us the purpose of all the others? Look at Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so we see that the law of love, particularly, particularly for God and for one's neighbor, supersedes all other commands. And this is a point that is stressed when Jesus says, therefore, the law, therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Listen, the, the, these laws of God, whether they are about the Sabbath or about anything else, they were written for the good of man. They were meant for human flourishing and not for human deprivement. Do you see what is going on here? These, these Pharisees have placed a heavy yoke upon the people. And they've done it with their minute stipulations. Why? Because they had ignored the law's proper authoritative standing. They had ignored the primacy of love. They didn't understand that the purpose of the law was to do good. And yet Jesus, this, this Lord of the Sabbath, this one who is greater than the temple brings them back to the original intent, showing that the, that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And what Jesus did next emphasizes this point. Look at verse 13. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. The fact that Jesus is capable of healing this man on the Sabbath proves that he is the Lord 
of the Sabbath. It demonstrates the law's goodness by making this man whole. For when Jesus cured this man, he showed the true heart of the Sabbath. For he gave to this man rest from his toils and his suffering. Dear friends, is this not what he does for all of us? He, he heals us from our sins, from all our iniquities, with the power of his righteous obedience. Christ lived a perfect life. There is not one command in which he broke, not even the Sabbath. This is why he is that flawless sacrifice, that unblemished lamb that takes away the sin of the world. For what he did at the cross was the great exchange. He took, he took upon himself our sin and offers to us his righteousness. And anyone who recognizes Jesus as this Lord of the Sabbath, anyone who turns from their mishandling of God's law and puts their trust in Christ, they will enter into, the, into their true Sabbath rest as all of their sins will be forgiven and all of their, their cursed and toilsome efforts of trying to be righteous will be put to an end. How about you? Are you willing to bend the knee to this Lord of the Sabbath, to, to the one who provides to you true rest as you look to his righteousness and not your own? Just as he showed mercy to this man who was broken, Jesus fulfilled the law for you so that you could be healed. Will you put your faith in this Lord of the Sabbath? But not all viewed Jesus in this light. Not all saw him as the Lord of the Sabbath. Let's look at our last verse, verse 14. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. To the Pharisees, this was more than just a dispute over the Sabbath. It was a, it was a dispute over Christ's lordship, over his authority, over his messianic claims. And they, these ones who, 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 were, who were seeking his life, they were not at rest, for they toiled endlessly trying to please God through their own merit. For there is no rest apart from the Lord of the Sabbath. Hebrews 4 verse 9 states this, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Why could God rest on the seventh day? because he had completed his creative work and had declared it as good. Why can Christians rest when they are in Christ? Because the saving work of Jesus Christ has been accomplished. This God-man who was nailed to the cross did all the work for us. Do you see it? No longer do you need to rely on your own works when approaching God. Instead, you can look to the one who, who completed these things for you. You can look to the one who, who takes your burden away. You don't have to be like those Pharisees, those who have turned the law on its head, 
by making the Sabbath hard work. Instead, you can put on the yoke of Christ and find rest for your souls. Dear friends, the only way you will find your true Sabbath rest is if you give up on trying to earn your way to God and you submit to this Lord of the Sabbath, this one who desires to make you whole. Turn to him today and find rest for your souls. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful for the Sabbath that comes through your Son. It is only by his work that we can find rest for our souls. May we be guided by your Holy Spirit away from a works righteousness and into the righteousness of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.